nose, sneeze or cough, and when you eat or handle food. For more information, go to NHS. Hello and welcome to everybody listening here on Preston Hospital Radio. I'm Olivia Simpson, your host for today's lower league show, running from 8 uh, until 9 this evening. Regular listeners will notice that I'm not the usual host, um, but we've had a rejig around this week with Jack Goodwin, who I think you all may know already, as the head of sport at Preston Hospital Radio, now joining Lewis Walsh, Halifax Town Media Assistant, alongside me as guest for tonight's show. How is everyone doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you very, uh, thank you very much, Olivia, for hosting tonight's episode. That's absolutely fine. And now today we're sticking with the usual framework for the lower league show. So we're aiming to cover the championship for half an hour, um, and dedicating the rest of the time to leagues one and two, and also the national league. But I think to start, we should do the similar thing to what we just saw at the Premier League show. Um, so the goalkeeping position is always one that draws up a bit of controversy. And I think it would be interesting to see both your guys' views on the uh, goalkeeper championship rated league table on their performances this season. So, Jack, firstly, I'll ask for your top five goalkeepers in the championship and then your reasons for picking those. Right, top five. Very interesting. Um, Well, it was a difficult one. I had to just base it off the games that I've seen, the highlights I've seen on EFL Quest when they've come to Deepdale and played or when Preston have gone and played away. So, obviously... It's not the same as Premier League because you don't see the, the same amount of in-depth highlights of the goalkeepers, do you? But um, I think there is a few standout goalkeepers to me um, who, are, who are the, the star ones. Um, so I'll start with my number five. Um, so for me, and this is a controversial one, I think, because he didn't have a good game when he came to Deepdale and um, he, he, he does have a mistake in him. But I've gone for Christian Walton of Blackburn Rovers. I think a tall goalkeeper, commands his area very well. He's aerially efficient. He um, he does come out with some very good saves. I he, he's he's decent with his feet as well. Um, so I think I think I don't. I, Lewis may disagree with me on this one, but I do think he is a, a decent goalkeeper, and he is one that maybe will start for Brighton in a couple of years. No, for once I'm actually going to agree, agree with you on this one. You know, he's got. He's got the joint second most clean sheets in the league. Um, and yeah, I think for the reasons you've already said, he just about sneaks into that top five. Yeah, and it's, it's an interesting one because he actually had a very poor game. I don't know if you remember, Olivia. Um, there was one way he, he really should have dealt with where he let Maguire go and head it back in. And uh, that's kind of started North End's revitalisation in that game. Um, yeah. Well, it definitely did, and I remember as well. Like I think he had a few shaky uh, moments in that game, but like you say, he's definitely got potential. Mm. We definitely could see him start Brighton soon. Now, Lewis, what were your top five? Do you agree with Jack? Um, do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Christian Walton as my fifth my fifth best keeper as well. You know, as Jack said, big keeper, joint second most clean sheets in the league on twelve. Um, he's got the seventh. Hand- Safe percentage in the league of seven with point seven three four, and yeah, I think all around you just have a decent keeper out of him. Yeah, so uh, for me, for number four, um, I personally have gone with a keeper that I've been a big fan of for a while. Dan Bentley of Brentford, a, a keeper that is very good with his feet. Yeah, for Bristol City, I mean, which is crucial for Bristol City in the way they they play. Um, and he's just a very good goalkeeper. Again, he has his mistakes. You know, he's a championship goalkeeper. Doesn't have his mistakes because if he didn't have them, he'd be playing in the Premier League and he still make mistakes in that league. Too. So for me, Walshy, I've gone for Dan Bentley. I don't know where you've gone. Ooh, um, big on my save percentages he's got the third highest in the league with 7.50 um, Mr Stato 
<laughs> well, I've, well, the, see, the thing is, I don't, I don't, obviously, don't get to watch as much Championship football as you two. Well, I get to watch what's on telly and whatnot, but like, I don't watch it every in person every week. Um, so yeah, it's just mostly about statistics for me. With this, not like individual performances against Preston, against Preston and whatnot. Yeah, no, the stats certainly don't lie. Jack, what was you up on for number three? Uh, number three for me is uh, Marek Rodak of Fulham. He was a keeper who did really well with Rotherham last year, out on loan. And I don't think he came into the season thinking he was number one with the likes of Marcus Bettinelli no. um, there. But ever since he has come in, he's been, again, he's a big goalkeeper, which I, I, I do like. Um, and he commands his area, he makes saves, and he's, he's a crucial part to that Fulham back line. Yeah, do you know what? I'm going to agree with Marek Rodak on that one for the third best. And I'm starting to think our, our final two will probably be the same as well. Yeah, my final two, let's see whether we've got them. My final two is Reading's Raphael Cameron. Okay, okay, no, I was wrong about that. <laughs> no, and Nottingham Forest's uh, Bryce Samba. Well, I've got one of them right at least. Which one? Um, Samba. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Casilla for you, for one of your top two. See, I think he's very good with his feet, Kiko Casilla. Um, obviously, um, he's not playing at the moment because of his suspension, but mm. he has too many mistakes in him for for him to be number two, in my opinion. Yeah. Way too many. I think Rafael Cabral, who's come from Napoli and now playing for Reading, I think he is a smaller keeper, so more more agile goalkeeper but some of the stays he pulls off mm. he, he, I think he, I think he's a top goalkeeper oh without doubt but I don't know I think he just sits outside that top five for me to be honest um, see the thing is with Casilla he does have the most clean sheets in the league but statistically he also makes the least amount of saves per game in it uh, You're not really putting your case here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying for that's why he makes number two for me as opposed oh, right, to being okay. the top keeper. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we can both agree Samba has been absolutely brilliant for Nottingham Forest this season. Yeah, he certainly has. He's had a few dodgy games over the last few. There's a few that mm. maybe he should have saved, but really he has been one of, if not the star player for Forest in their promotion push. Yeah, I don't disagree. They pr- he is the big reason for why they are where they are this season, I think. And again, it's another goalkeeper that didn't think he'd be starting because they had uh, Muric on loan from Manchester City. There was a yeah. big buzz about him playing. He made a couple of mistakes. Samba came in and there's been no looking back since. Yeah, you'd have thought Muric would have been their main man this season, but you know, with a keeper that's been in that amount of form, there's no way you can drop him. Uh, going down then, who would you say are your more lower-rated goalkeepers? All right, so our bottom three. Yeah. Um, right, I think this one's tough because I've got Luton Towns, Simon Sluger, who's been really good mm. the last few weeks since he's come back in for Shea. But it's just that first two, three months where he was playing, he was crucial to Luton letting in silly goals letting basic mistakes he wasn't filling the defence with any confidence um, and I think it's tough because Sluger has done well last few weeks he, he was star player against Wigan on the weekend where he made a crucial save um, but he, he, he tops the bottom three tops as in as, as in, in the worst keeper in no him. no he's 22nd he's okay. unlucky 22nd for me Um you know what I'm going to agree with you on Saluga for that one you know as you say he has been in good form recently but with the amount of money that Luton spent on him in the summer mm. you would expect him to be playing a lot better than he is at the moment not at the moment but as he was at the start of the season so but yeah it's just his recent form that's kind of pushed him up to that 22nd position for me I think some great points there Jack what's your next one uh, right I'll go for my bottom two I'm going to go for Joe Lumley of Queen's Park Rangers which he, who's no longer starting for QPR because he was playing so poorly so they've um, brought in the new keeper Liam Kelly from Livingston but also Cameron Dawson who I think has been most games I've seen has been very poor for Sheffield Wednesday and compared to what they're normally used to mm. with Kieran Westwood I, I, I don't think he's up to scratch yeah, I, I don't disagree with either of those, really. Uh, Lumley, he's, he's, con- he's conceded the most amount of goals per game with 1.8. Um, 
he's not making a, fa a in terms of saves per game he's not making a fantastic amount either he's on 2.2 and then yeah you look at Cameron Dawson he's Again, he's on the lowest average save percentage in the league with about 6.12. <laughs> that is awful. Yeah. So, again, it's one where he can probably... It's, it's a position that Sheffield Wednesday certainly need to improve on in the summer if they are to have any serious ambitions of uh, moving beyond that mid-table position. Some interesting and well worked points there from both Lewis and Jack. So let us know your opinions or whether you would change anything. But I'd certainly like to add as a Preston fan, I'd have Declan Good in my top five. Saved us mm. a lot this season, we've been playing very well recently. Um, but now we'll move on um, to the latest results from the Championship. So the big stories from last weekend it saw Leeds return to the top of the table after beating Huddersfield, Derby County moving within five points of the playoffs after beating Blackburn. And Brentford thumping Sheffield Wednesday 5-0. And that's just the name of you. So first off, I'll ask both, both of you, what were your results of the weekend and why? So, Jack? Um, there's quite a few good, really good results for the weekend. For me, um, I'm going to go for the 5-1 victory for Stoke City. That's what, I, that's what I was going to go for. Pick another one. Um, <laughs> I think just to score five goals, at, even at your home ground, when you're on such a poor run of form, you're so close to the relegation zone, and to score three within twenty minutes, I think there was three goals from Nick Powell, uh, Sam Clucas, and Tyrese Campbell within eighteen minutes um, of, of the, the the championship game against Hull. And I know Hull are short of confidence, but even to win five one, that would do so much for their morale, so much. For, for 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 their season in uh, big nine cup finals really for them now because they can't go down to League One. They are a club that cannot go down. So that result could be pivotal to uh, them staying up. I think on the flip side as well, it's in terms of being result of the weekend as well. It also shows not how safe Stoke are. I think it shows just what danger Hull could be in for this final run. You know, they're only two points off safety now when. You know, you know that's two. That's nine goals conceded in two games for him. Um, the, that, go on, Jack. That defense is a mess, isn't it? Yeah, and replacing Jared Bowen. You know, Marcus Madison was the man they were going to get to do that, but they're not just, even playing him. Is he not? They're not. Playing no, him. he's he's just staying on the bench at the moment. He's played a couple of games and actually scored some goals and got some assists, but last two or three games he's just been remaining on the bench the whole time. Well, I think either way they were going to see him as the potential Jared Bowen replacement, but it's just not worked for him. And you know, they, you know, what with him not having Jared Bowen to save him anymore, they are in real danger, and I could really see them going down. I think it's just basic mistake after mistake, really, with Hull. The um, Matthew Pennington gave the ball away very cheaply for one of Stoke's goals on uh, the weekend. Um, for me, I mean, injuries are a plague in their season. It's tough for Grant McCann. Um, I know a lot of Hull fans are maybe now are panicking, saying Grant McCann out. I'm a bit 50-50 because he was doing all right. He was he was probably doing the job that was expected mid-table mm. with the outside chance of players with Bowen and Grzyski. But when you pull the rug under the manager like that and take the two best players from him, it's, it's going to be a difficult job for him. Yeah, I'm... Um probably firmly in the Grant McCann needs to stay camp for this one um, like I worry for how they'll if they survive or not but if they don't survive he's done he did, he did a fantastic job in League One with Doncaster um, you know he had them knocking on the door of promotion even with Peterborough when he was there he was knocking on the door there so I think if they were to go down they need to stick by him give him a chance and see what happens yeah, and with you talking about uh, Grant McCann there, I think we can. it moves on quite quickly and quite well to Sheffield Wednesday and Gary Monk's fate in particular after his side got beat 5-0. Uh, that now means that they sit 15th in the table, but an interesting stat I saw is that since Christmas, Wednesday have, just, have won just two of their 14 league games, picking up just nine points when possible, 47. I'm going to ask you both the same question. Do you think it's time for Gary Monk to go? Yes. You know, no. you, 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 you can't lose 5-1 against Brentford, particularly with the form they're in. It's just... 
Okay, as we touched on earlier, Cameron Dawson's letting them down big time, but I think as well, you look at how they played in the, in the Man City game, they weren't that bad, so I think it could be a problem of Gary Monk being able to un, not being able to motivate his players for those league games. So, and I think that is when you start to look elsewhere, particularly given that he's lost the fans. I don't think so. Do you not? I disagree with you. I think Gary Monk has had one of, if not the most, tough jobs to do in the Championship, if not in the Football League. Mm. He's taken a side who is in so much financial trouble. He's taken a side who has got ageing player after ageing player. They sold one of the best players, Lucas Zhao, to Reading. So they've got Stephen Fletcher, who is now uh, 32 years old. Barry Bannon, who, let's not doubt, he's a quality player, but he's 30. Um, they've got uh, Morgan Fox, who is knocking on the door. Uh, they've got Nuh- I, I can't pronounce his name. Ade Nahu, who's also thirty. That, that's right, I think. Um, they've got they've got Jordan Rhodes on forty k a week, which is damaging for any team at that level. They've got Kieran Westwood, who isn't playing at the moment. Um, Fernando Fernando Forestieri, who uh, is a shadow of the player that he once was. Um, I, 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 they've got a side that was built under Steve Bruce, Jos Lukahai, and Carlos Carvajal. It is it's difficult for Monk to deal with it. I look at it as the same situation as Birmingham. It's a stabilising job. Whilst they're in this financial difficulty, they're not going to get promoted. And I know they're at third, third at Christmas, but realistically, that would have been. I, I, I actually said when they were third, I remember doing a show and it was based on who would have been manager of the season and the halfway point, and I said Gary Monk. That's how well of a job he was doing. And now they've dropped off. Them now a bit more in reality land. Do you not agree that it's disappointing for Sheffield Wednesday supporters, given where they were, and that they they must be legitimate criticisms of Monk, given yeah. that that downturn in football. Like, there's only so much that you can blame on the aging squads or even the financial crisis at the club. Well, obviously, it looks like. He can't motivate the players at the moment of some sort, but every team goes through a bad patch, um, especially when you're a mid-table side, which Sheffield Wednesday are at the moment, the 15th in the league, they're a, they're a, a mid-table side. Um, but the, 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 I think at the start of the season, where would you say realistically they should have finished? I would have said probably about 15th, mid-table. So I don't think he's actually doing that poor. If you take yourself out of the emotion of the game and the form that they've mm. been in, you look at the bigger picture, I would say they're probably about the 15th best place side in the league. Possibly, but they've shown that they can perform much better than that. Um, I'd, I'd say maybe they're a top half quality side, but I don't know, 15th just seems a little bit harsh. Who's out there that could come in and replace Monk, though? He's, he's a decent championship manager. I don't think he's one that will take a team up, but I don't think he's one that will take them down. And I think that's what Sheffield Wednesday need right now in their time of uh, dire need, really, with the impending financial fair play rule looming over them. I don't know. It's just a bit frustrating as a, as a supporter, really, if you're just going to stagnate in mid-table for season upon season, you know. Even with everything going on at the club, they'll want progression. They won't want to just sit in the table time after time after time. So it's a bit of a weird one, really, in terms of what what do they do? Um, I just I'm I'm just not sure Monk's the man for that stabilising job that you think they need to do, though. But he, he he's done a decent job at, at Bora, really. He had the rug pulled under him probably too soon. He was very good at Swansea, very harshly mm, sacked. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Leeds, he did a good job at. It was the best they had They had uh, got seventh in the league since, like, for, for ten years or so. Um, and then last year at Birmingham, I thought he did a very good job. So I think it's harsh to say he's not a good manager. Is he the right manager for that sort of stabilising job, though? Like, do you maybe look at, say, a, a Tony Pulis, for example, as a man that they could go to? Because that's where my mind's sitting No, but why should Sheffield Wednesday go back on, on the principles that Gary Monk is trying to do? He's trying to play better football there. It's not working, though, is it? The 15th in the league, they're not doing that poorly. <laughs> They've just lost 5-1 to Brentford, man. 5-0, actually. 5-0, even. That's, that's even worse. <laughs> yeah, but... 
They're not. I, I don't know. You, you can't lose a big game. And it, if Southampton did that and they got rid of Ralph Hazenhutel after a nine-nil loss, look how stupid they would have been now. Because Ra- you, you'd give manager of the season awards. You're probably top seven is Ralph. Oh, without a doubt. But he was at least. They were at least showing signs of turning it around. Sheffield Wednesday just don't whatsoever at the moment. After a little bit of a disagreement there, we'll move on to something that hopefully you can both agree with. Um, I think it needs to be highlighted, the the job that Michael O'Neill is doing down at Stoke. I think their form at Christmas would have been good enough to challenge for promotion um, if they kept it up. What do you think of the turnaround there? Oh, it's it's absolutely unreal, isn't it? He's, he's got some of the players in that squad playing as they should. You know, there's... At the start of the season, I thought, you know, Nathan Jones had done a little bit of a stabilising job last season, and that this season they could kick on and get them challenging for the playoffs, but that hasn't happened. That obviously hasn't happened, but Michael O'Neill, all credit to him, has got come in, got the players playing as they should, and all of a sudden they're looking at not only like a side that are definitely going to stay up, but you have to wonder. What what's in store for the next season? Like I could see them being top half as an absolute minimum. I can see them top six to be honest. Yeah, yeah. they're doing really well. Um, obviously, I mean, it was a very difficult job for O'Neill to go into because people don't recognise that Jones was getting them playing good football. They were a good yeah. side, and O'Neill's not that type of manager. He's more. I don't. I don't want this to come across as me discrediting him. But um, he's more of a Tony Pulis sort of manager. He's mm. a bit more negative in the sense that he keeps clean sheets, he shuts up shop, they go one up and they usually, other than this weekend, but they usually win 1-0. Um, and that's what he had done at Northern Ireland. And I think Stoke City are the team that he can do that with. They've got the players to do it. Mm. Um, they're actually they're still playing some decent football, to be fair. They're not they're not doing as bad as maybe I'm, uh, in terms of play style-wise as I'm making out to be. But I think... You've got to have a solid defence, and O'Neill is a solid defensive manager. Stoke, arguably on paper, have one. If he can get the best out of Jack Butland, um, Danny Bart, um, Tommy Smith, some of the best defenders in the league, then yeah, I see Stoke getting top six next year. And then you even look at their squad at some of the players who maybe aren't even fitting in. Who, like you look at some of the squad depth, they've got a really good. Like Lee Gregory, for example, he's been one of Millwall's better players mm. um, ok he's not maybe he's maybe not the goal scorer that he would have been at Halifax um, but he's a good solid player in terms of getting himself about all over the pitch so you look at some of the players in that squad they don't even need to do that massive of a rebuild over the summer I think oh there's no doubt that they should be targeting yeah. top 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 Six at least, if not top two. Mm. You look, I think there's only Fulham, Fulham and West Brom, possibly Leeds, who have probably got a better team than mm. in this league on paper in terms of the uh, the the players they have and the the reputation and the price tag that they paid for them. Mm. Um, a special mention to Joe Allen though. He's uh, it was a difficult injury for yeah. him. To, he, I think he what was it? He's um, Achilles heel or something I can't remember now I had it in my head yeah it's he's ruptured Achilles he's got he's going to be out for a long time you and know, he's been a crucial player for Stoke over the years you know it's a tough one for him you know he'd maybe been underperforming since coming into the championship particularly under Nathan Jones but O'Neill came in and got him to playing like the Joe Allen that we've seen in previous years and now yeah I feel sorry for him that's maybe got him out of a half decent sh- decent move in the summer so it'll be interesting to see if you can recover from that and I think as well um, I think it's all more impressive considering that O'Neill had inherited his squad only a month previously mm. before that Stoke fans were fearing the team would go down mm. but quickly moving on um, before the break I'd like to mention Derby in particular um, I think I remember a few months back I remember us talking about Pride Park and discussing their league position at the time and I think it's fair to say that at the moment they're pushing for the playoffs. What do you guys put that down to? I mean, it was a great result against Blackburn the weekend just gone. I mean, for the reason they're pushing for the playoffs, I think there's only two words that can be used to describe it: Wayne Rooney. Um, you know, he is okay. He's maybe not 
the player he once was when he was at Man United, but he is still an absolutely fantastic player. You know, there was a reason at United he was being slowly phased back into that sort of midfield role. It's because he can read a game so well, and he's he's using that. Derby are using that to his to their full potential. You know, so yeah. Gone. I completely, I completely agree with you, Lewis. Um, mm. Rooney didn't actually feature in the squad though this uh, Sunday. Mm. He uh, he dropped out and he allowed Louis Sibley to come in to make his debut, which was a special moment for him because he got his first goal on his first start for Derby. Mm. Um, but you talk about promotion push. I remember saying that I think they were outsiders for the playoffs. I still think that, and I, I, I think I think it would be wrong to think not because. You looked at it, Derby weren't going to go down or weren't going to go up, really, it looked mm. like. So I thought when they were playing Man United in the FA Cup, they would have played the stronger side and gone for it. But they actually rested the team a lot. Mm. They, they rested a lot of players and saved the full-strength team for the championship game, which shows that Philip Koku still believes they can they can get championships. So I think if any team out just below Preston are going to get it, um, I think Derby are going to be the one. Yeah, you can't really rule out any team sort of in and around the playoffs at the moment. It's their home form as well, isn't it? I mean, the the second best home record in yeah, the league. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, more in terms of generally, you look at the form is mixed in that part of the table, and you know, you look at some of the form, and you've got you've, you've got sides like Blackburn and Derby who could who are maybe looking into the playoffs, so. It's all, all of a sudden from it looking like the top six has already been settled. You've you've got a lot of uncertainty there. No, definitely, and like you say, I don't think at the moment you can really see who will actually get those playoffs uh, spots come the end of the season. But it's been interesting to see what happens. Hopefully, Preston. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> Preston definitely. <laughs> we need to get some wins together though. Um, so now that marks the um, halfway stage of the um, lower league show. So. We'll be joined by Avicii singing Hey Brother at the moment. So hello and welcome back to and Hospital Radio with the Lower League Show um, with Lewis Walsh and Jack Goodwin. So now I think we'll move on to League One. So dropping down, there's a match to me that stands out as a great result and that being Rochdale beating Rotherham 3-1. What do you both think of that? Well, that's, that, that's probably one of the biggest surprises of the season. That You know, you, you had Rochdale who all of a sudden have found themselves in a bit of a relegation battle despite the fact that Brian Barry Murphy has had been playing very good football um, so for them to pull off something like that against a Rotherham side who hadn't, lo- who hadn't lost since the 25th of January against Peterborough it's a very big result that um, I mean it has been cancelled out by Tranmere getting a win as well um, so it but yeah it is a, it is a result that yeah it's it's a huge surprise um, in terms of the relegation fight and the promotion fight but the biggest surprise for me is that Rotherham are the best away side in the league statistically they picked up the most points out of all the away teams and then they go get battered by Rochdale who are having a very poor season really so it, it's, a, it's a big shock and it's a big shake up to that promotion race um, all of a sudden Oxford are only two points behind and Peterborough, Sunderland Portsmouth and Fleetwood and Wickham are all just three points off Rotherham so any side from eighth to second can win a game and go into second place and even Coventry are at the top of the league but I don't think they're all that safe Yeah I was talking to, to a friend about this um, on Saturday we, we talk about how the championship is the, is the most competitive league in the world but could League One be taking its mantle with, with how tight it is? Like, you know, so you've, you've got five. You've got like so many teams on that amount of points. Like, I mean, let's not even rule out Doncaster City. We've got a game in hand. Doncaster City. Doncaster Rovers, shall I say? <laughs> the five points off the playoffs. They've even got a good chance. Mm. I, I think. Yeah, I think I, I get with you, Lewis. That. It is very exciting, and people are saying, "Well, the relegation fight isn't that good." But even that's hotting up now with Tramier hitting a bit of a good patch. 
Um, so they could be dragging Wimbledon, Rochdale, and even MK Dons into it. Yeah. Um, so I think League One is a, a league to watch at the moment. But just going back to your original question, it's a huge shock for Rochdale to beat Rotherham. Um, I've I've not seen I've not seen the the whole game obviously, mm. but uh, it sounded like Rochdale dominated the whole game throughout and. Uh, the, uh, did one against one of the top teams in the league. You know, that surprises as well, considering you were saying about Rotherham having the best away form in the league. Rochdale have the third worst home form in the mm. league, which, all in all, just makes it one of the biggest surprises you'll see all season, in my opinion. It's just one of them, of one of these crazy, this crazy league is all about, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And do you think it'll start a bit of a reassurance for um, Rochdale? I'd say so. Uh, you know, Getting a win against a top team when you're in that situation is huge. Um, you know they they've not won in the last four, um, so uh, yeah, I think it could be that a uh, little boost to help get them over the line to secure um, safety this season. Granted, I think they still would have if they had lost to Rotherham. Um, you know, because I'm still not sure about Tranmere despite them picking up two decent wins on the bounce against Accrington and Shrewsbury so I don't know but we'll have to see what happens won't we? for Rochdale it, it's all good beating the big teams but they need to beat the teams around mm. them and in their next three games two of the teams they are playing at home a Tramier and AFC Wimbledon so if they win either one of those if not both of them they are safe oh without a doubt uh... they get to that 40 point mark they should be safe they've got three home games in a row they've got um Tramio in the next game they're not playing next week because it was their scheduled game against Berry. Um, but Tramier, even Burton and Wimbledon they are three winnable games for Rochdale yeah. and with uh, the loss for Rotherham it now means that Coventry are now five points adrift now in first certainly looking at, like they will be the champions of League One what do you two make of that? I think it's just shown the fantastic work Mark Robbins has done in that football club Um We've said in previous weeks that they've almost come out of nowhere in a way. Um, you know, so to... It's kind of like... Don't get me wrong, I think quite a few people would have predicted Coventry to do quite well this season, but certainly not league winners. Certainly not by... You know, by about... You know, with that five-point margin, as he was saying. So... I think we've certainly found our champions for the season for sure, but... Yeah, I just think it's one no one expected. I don't agree that they are the champions yet. In this sort of league, you can't crown them this early. Uh, with however many games there is left to play, I was, because Barry, it's 44 games left to play now, yeah. isn't it? So they've, they've got they've 10. got a game in hand though. They do, but this is this is League One. Eh? Anything can happen in the league. They've got a favourable run of fixtures. Really, they seem to have played all the big boys already. But it's League One. It's just like the Championship. Anyone could beat anyone. Um, one thing, but let's, let's not don't make me disregard Coventry because they are 17 games unbeaten in any league in the world especially leagues where the, the gap between the top teams and the bottom teams are not so big 17 games unbeaten is a sensational one loss in the last 21 mm. unbelievable and how well they are doing uh, um, home as well 38 points from 17 games one of the best home records in the league it's brilliant because they're not even playing at their eco arena. They're not playing at their home ground. They're having to play um, at Birmingham City. Yeah. So they're having to play a lot of weird kickoff times, a bit mm. bit different uh, schedule. So I think, yeah, I, I think Coventry are doing a great job, but let's not crown them yet because mm. that run of form is going to come to an end at once. And as we've seen with Liverpool, as soon as they do lose one, are they going to tumble down? Mm. And I think a big part of why Coventry have been doing so well, particularly recently, is the form of Matt Gosson. Um, he's scored six in his last in his last six games. Um, I don't know five in his last six games. I obviously need to take my maths exam again. Um, <laughs> but you know, fourteen goals for the season. Someone who came to the club as a player who probably wouldn't have gotten first team fo- football at Peterborough this season. So. To get the best out of him is an unreal job from Mark Robbins. Oh, it's brilliant. I mean, they are punching above their weight as well, really. I think it's it's fair to say they've not got the top side in the league. They've not spent the most amount of money. They've not got the biggest club in the world. Um, I'm just getting up one of the statistics here. They've got one of the smallest sides in the league. And if you 
you look at Coventry at the start of the season, you probably put them a realistic finish for them. Maybe 14th, 15th? Yeah, you'd have thought it'd be a bit of a write-off for a season for them, but with all the problems with the Rico, you'd have thought things weren't good behind the scenes there. Granted, there obviously is issues, but to be able to <clears throat> to perform so well in spite of what's going on there, just, again, I know I've said it a lot, but it just shows what a good job Mark Robbins is doing. You'd have just expected a solid season for him. I don't know about solids, but maybe in if you define solid as maybe not troubling the playoffs, not troubling relegation, mm. then yeah, maybe. Yeah, solid. Some great points from you two both there. And I think it'd be great to see how the league one pans out um in recent week, in next in the next few weeks. Um the local derby just down the road at Fleetwood as well, against Blackpool end up as a nil nil draw. But looking at it, it's now stretched Fleetwood's unbeaten run to 11 games. I think Joey Barton must be praised for the job he's doing down there. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, when he was first appointed, you'd have thought, oh, it's just typical Fleetwood trying to get a big name into bring in some crowds. But he's kind of shaking that off, really, is Joey Barton. OK, he's maybe still had one or two incidents where we've seen the old Joey Barton, but he is showing himself up to be quite the manager, you know, as you say, they're on quite a good unbeaten run at the moment. And OK, they're not in the playoffs as it stands. But, you know, being level with Peterborough, Sunderland and Portsmouth, it's look, they're looking very much like it could be possible for them this season. Yeah, they've, they've, they've done very well. They've used the loan market effectively as well. Um, Harry Sutar, uh, Lewis Gibson, um, Callum Conley are all players that have, have come from, from bigger teams in higher divisions. Um, so they've, they've used it very well. And... I think, I think was it January? I think January was the defining month for them because they were struggling. They really were. I don't mm. think they picked up any wins over the month of January. Yeah, they they drew a lot and they lost a couple. Um, and that month was defining because they didn't panic. They went and bought some good signings. They brought in Lewis Gibson, Callum Connolly, and Barry McKay, mm-hmm. and especially Mc. Kay and um, Gibson I think they have been tremendous for Fleetwood since they've come in I've heard rave reviews from Fleetwood fans um, I know that Harry Sutar is a decent player anyway um, but even getting Barry McKay I think that was a massive massive coup for, for Fleetwood getting in from Swansea so I definitely think um, he's doing a good job I think to start of the season you would have said Fleetwood top six side so I think he's doing a good job and um, I think they probably look set to get the playoffs. I think as well, uh, Josh Pyramid uh, mentioning Glenn Whelan as well has come in doing a great job as well for Fleetwood. He certainly has, and especially considering we've got all these young players, mm. to have that figurehead in the team is, is crucial in my opinion. Yeah, he's coming to Fleetwood looking to help secure his place at the Euros in the summer, and with, with the way he's been playing for him, you'd certainly expect him to be in, in that squad. And then action in League One also returns tomorrow. Um, I'll put you both on the spot here, asking for a few predictions from those games. So we'll start with Fleetwood again. Portsmouth versus Fleetwood. What are you thinking, guys? Mm-hmm. Mm, difficult one because Portsmouth they were, would have been disappointed with the 2-0 loss against Peterborough. But I think that might be the kick up the bum that they needed. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 Portsmouth victory over Fleetwood. Um, I'm going to go... With, I agree with Jack on the idea that it might give Portsmouth the the kick that they needed, but I can't see Fleetwood's unbeaten run coming to an end. So I'm gonna go one all. I'll have to agree with you there, Lewis. Um, and Bristol Rovers versus Sunderland, fifteen versus fifth. Uh, this must be a must win for Sunderland. They've had a few dodgy results lately. Um, I think it was a 2-2 draw against Gillingham, letting in a 96-minute goal from Mikel Mandron. Uh, they lost to Coventry, they drew with Fleetwood, so that's three games without a win, but they're going up against the most out-of-form side in the league, Bristol Rovers. So I'll go for a 2-0 Sunderland fixture. I'm going to go one further. Obviously, Jack, you were saying about their, um, their, run, of fi- their run without a win, but it was three very tough games mm. for them. Fleetwood, of course, we were saying about their unbeaten run. Coventry, they're looking more and more like we'll be seeing them in the Championship next season. And even Gillingham, they've, they've had a really good run recently, but 
yeah, Bristol Rovers just bang out of form. So I'm going to go one further. I'm going to go with 4-0 Sunderland. Oh, that's a big prediction there, Lewis. Yeah. I say 2-1 Sunderland. And then lastly, Blackpool versus Tranmere at Bloomfield Road. That's a huge game for Tramier. Um Local, local. what, can't really say rivalry, but... A lo- it, it's still a local game, isn't Local it? game. Um, Tramier need to get three points on the board, but Blackpool have got a manager bounce, and as we saw against Fleetwood, uh, Critcher will come in, he will get them organised, and um, I'm going to go for 1-1 draw. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for one all draw. You know, Tramier looking like... That we, we might see a bit of a resurgence from them, but of course you have to deal with that new manager bounce from Blackpool, as Jack was saying, so yeah, 1 all. For me, I'd say 2 1 to Blackpool. So now we'll drop down again to uh, another League 2, League 2, uh, where last weekend's results caused another shake up in the standings. I'd, likely, I'd first like to praise Forest Green's results away to Swindon. Uh, they won 2 0. Surely that was a great for Forest Green, who sits 11th now in the league. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't have expected Swindon to lose that, particularly given that, in my opinion, they've been the best side in that league this season. They've they've had relatively good form throughout the season. They've when they've lost a game, it's always just been a bit of a blip. They've never really lost two or three on the bounce. Um, but yeah, I think you have to give credit to Forest Green for that win as well. You know, um, particularly keeping out keeping Swindon quiet as well given that they've got the two top scorers in the league so yeah it's a huge result there I'd say yeah I think Forest Green would have been disappointed because they started the season so well um, they defensively have been great throughout the majority of the, se- of the season uh, minus a few blips and blobs but they've, they've done well I think Forest Green but mm. I, I think they would have liked to still be in playoff contention but with the nine points outside the playoffs I think it's looking unlikely so yeah. especially considering they, they got it last year didn't they um, yes, so I think Mark the, Cooper will be disappointed but I think they are if you're looking at they've now had two seasons kind of just stabilised be just outside the playoffs or in the playoffs I think next season you are looking at them as a top three side yeah, they've just come off of a pretty bad run of form as well at Forest Green. You know, they they hadn't lost. They sorry, they've not won the last eight or nine, which I think it just killed off the playoff aspirations really. So yeah, they, they they do need to look at what went wrong for that run and see what they can do right for next season if they are to get into the playoffs. And a team as well pushing the top two are Plymouth Argyle. Uh, they beat struggling uh, Macclesfield three 0 at home. What did you think to that result? It was it was almost. I think it was almost expected. Really, Macclesfield have been on a on a. They're almost the crisis club of the EFL at the moment, given that they've just had a fine for not being able to pay their players. Another one. Yep, them and Southends. Yeah. It it's all about um, just it's Macclesfield almost just still being a club come next season will be an achievement for them but then you look at Plymouth they're as you say they're pushing that top three they are in it at the moment um, but it was just a, a result that they needed to get to you know just keep them aspirations up you know and, and particularly to keep themselves up above their local rivals Exeter I'm, I'm sure they'd be very happy to seal that top three place from them I think they're doing a fantastic job um, Plymouth Argyle I think Ryan Lowe yeah. it was a difficult situation for him taking Berry up having to still go back down the division back staying in the division even though he took them up um, he brought a lot of Berry players in it took a time for them to, to get used to Home Park and the, the, the style there um, but I think they are now looking like the team that uh, the most informed team in, in the League 2 playoff, uh, playoff or promotion race and I think they are going to run away with the league I think they're going to win it they won't run away with I think it. since Luke Jeffcott's come in 20 years old he's scored 7 in 13 I think Luke Jeffcott with the creativity of Antonio Sarsovic is going to uh, lead them to the title yeah I'm surprised you didn't pick out another player that's really been performing well for Plymouth really Ryan Hardy mm, he has been doing well he's come from Blackpool yeah he's on loan at Blackpool so I think Individually, he'll be able to go back to Blackpool next season, work well with Neil Critchley. Um, you know, he's he's 
he's in good form at the moment, Hardy. No, I, I just can't. I do, I've seven goals in five starts. Ex- That's remarkable. Exactly, but I can't get behind your shout that Plymouth are going to win the league. To be honest, I think it will still be Swindon, in my opinion. Yeah, I think probably Swindon will probably get top three as well. So now looking as well at the table, there's it's another league lead to where there's not much separating the size at the top. Who do you think will get promoted? Um. So, the top three will um, crew Swindon Plymouth. Uh, the order, so the order will, obviously for me will be Swindon at the top. But I can't decide whether it, whether it'll be crew or Plymouth that finish second or third. Obviously, in terms of where I think they will. Um, in terms of who will win the playoffs for me, I'm gonna go with Cheltenham for this one. You know, they're on a good run of form. Um, and so I think they'll just use that momentum to propel themselves into League One. Uh, I think. Oh, God, Olivia, I have no idea. Um, Plymouth, Swindon, I think will go up. Uh, Swindon up game in hand as well. Do you not think we will get that final top three place? No, I think I'm going to go for Cheltenham Town. Really? I really think they've done well since after Christmas. They've um, not actually lost in six games now, so they've got a good run of form. The games they've got coming up, Cambridge United, who've got nothing to fight for. Macclesfield, who are in a relegation battle. Grimsby, who've got nothing to fight for. Newport, got nothing to fight for. Forest Green, got nothing to fight for. Um, so, we've got a favourable run of games. So, I like Michael Duff as well. I think he's a decent yeah, manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's doing some fantastic stuff. And I think David Artel's doing a tremendous job. I think the stuff he's doing there you know they've limited the budget they've restricted all the signings of players are having to use a lot of youth mm. he, he did need a couple of seasons to get everything into motion though they were kind of a side that mid-table might, might yeah they mid-table troubled relegation once or twice but credit to David Artel he's finally got things how he wants them really I, I certainly think he's doing a great job but if you're going to push me for it, the easy one would be to say and agree with Lewis and go for the top three. But I'm looking outside the box. I think it'll be Swindon, Plymouth, Cheltenham. And playoff-wise, I always think in League Two, it's always the informed team that comes in with a bit of room. So I'm always looking at the likes of Port Vale, Bradford, Salford, who can all get a, a bit of room, mm. room together, finish seventh. And I think it happened last year as well. I think a lot of times, I think Fleetwood got promoted under Graham Alexander when they finished seventh. Yes. Um, they won the playoffs last year. Didn't Tramier whether the day finished six was it? Um, let me just get that up. I think I, I always think it's it's a side that comes in with a bit of a, a yeah, promotion it's... surge. Yeah, yeah. Tramier six, and then Newport, the other finalists, they were seventh. Yeah, because you, it, I think it's the fourth and fifth are so disappointing because they're so close that they've missed out. Yeah. It's always the sides that are coming up. So I'm actually going to go out on a limb. I think Salford are going to get a run to form together. And I might be biased because Graham Alexander's Salford manager, but I'm going to go for Salford. Yeah, it's a good win for him against Bradford at the weekend. Huge win, huge win. Some great opinions there from both of you, and it'll be interesting to see if Jack's prediction does come true. Now, in the final few minutes, I'll ask um, questions based on the National League. So, Lewis, this is your big forte. As a Halifax fan, how did your team get on at the weekend? (laughs) Have you asked that knowing how we did? I think they got beat. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yes, uh, we 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 lost two 0 to a walk at home to a working side. Who, I'll be honest, they did not come here. Look, they did not come to the share looking for a win. They they came looking for a nil nil. Um, they I think they had two shots on goal all game, which both the goals, one of which being a penalty. Other than that, they played ten men behind the ball. So yeah, it's just a, it's a very poor result for us. I think it probably knocks our top three credentials out. Uh, I still think we'll make the playoffs, but I think having to go through through the quarterfinals and then the semi-finals, ah, I, I just don't think we'll we'll make the playoffs, but we won't win them. It doesn't knock your top three promotion now. You you you're two points off third with a game in hand. You win your game in hand. You third you third in the league. Hmm. I think I think um, you. Pete Wilde out brigade is going out there. We're a bit <laughs> no. short term, but no, I, I think Halifax doing decent. Obviously, I don't see them like you do, but they're doing decent. Big win for Woking. They've put mm. themselves in a real good position considering the size of club they are, the players they have. I think they're doing a remarkable job. Mm. Yeah, 
Um, no, it's just a case of I think you, we have the, there's just a couple of better sides who will make that final place. Obviously, love Barrow and Harrogate finishing first and second, but I, I just don't see us taking up that third place. I think it, I, I think it'll probably go to Boreham Wood to be honest. Now we we'll drop down to. Uh, right at the bottom of the table, which looks doom and gloom for Chorley. How do they rebuild next season? It does look like they will get relegated. Oh, it, well, for Chorley, it was a weird one. I think anything above 24th would have been a success <laughs> for them. Um, you know, they are one of about two or three part-time teams in the league, which has shown what it's become since it, about five years ago. Um Woking, though, they're one of the other part-time teams, so they've shown that it is possible, but surely... I don't know, but I think if if they manage to keep the core of that squad together, they stick behind the manager, I can see them finishing the playoffs in the Conference North next season as an absolute minimum. The problem is with Chorley is that they've been building up for it so long. They've been finishing the playoffs... Um, They've been just falling short. Then, yeah. then they do get up, and then it's it's just dismal. It's not really what they wanted. Um, I mean, you can't expect too much of them, but you probably expected them to do slightly better than they are doing, especially with the likes of Matty Irwin, mm. Chris Holroyd. Um, but it looks. Uh, I, I'm speaking from heart because I like Charlie. I, I just yeah, think it's going to be club. it's going to be a downfall because I think. You know, if a National League side sacks a manager, they maybe look at Jamie Firmiglo, or if Spennymore don't come up um, and they have a lot more money, they could attract someone like Jamie. Um, I, so. mm, I think I think Jamie Firmiglo, if he leaves uh, Charlie, it'll definitely be of his own accord. Like, there's no reason to sack him. Oh yeah. But I, I see him saying loyal to Charlie. You know, he's 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 got, you know, he's he's part time. He's he's a he's a he's a local head teacher. He's mm. he's unless the only reason he will leave Charlie is if a good paying full time job comes up. He he won't leave for another part time job. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I mean, they haven't won in seven, seventeen games, <laughs> so it's 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 looking dismal for Charlie. Mm. It's definitely sad to hear about uh, Charlie at the moment. Um, and as it is nine, it now um, signals the end of the lower league show. Uh, from my point of view, it's been great to host this week. Thank you for joining me, Jack, head of sport at Preston Hospital Radio, and Lewis, uh, the media assistant at Halifax. How has it been for you guys today? Yeah, it's been good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to a break after two hours of doing this. <laughs> I don't blame I, I prefer working with you two than the other two. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly less arguments. I really don't blame you, Dad, Jack. <laughs> So uh, we'll join you again next week at the same time. But for everyone there listening, thank you for uh, joining with us today. Thank you.